Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Sean Moran of Sean Mo Hoops talking some UNC basketball. Sean, before we get to that, though, man, how's uh, things going for you? You've had a few busy days here lately, huh? Yeah, things are going well. I've been back from Colorado Springs for a few days, but looking forward to talking about Kobe White, the U18s, and and any other uh, Carolina topics. Oh, yeah. No, I think that we'll probably spend a a majority of this one discussing Kobe. You know what? Let's just go ahead and start there because I think that's the segment that most fans are going to be looking forward to. You posted an excellent recap of your live evaluation of Kobe on the North Carolina Basketball Premium Message Board, so I would encourage everyone to read that. But for those who may not have actually read that, Sean, give us just a quick little rundown of what you saw from Kobe. Sure. Well, just to kind of kick it off, I was at the USA U18 uh, National Team Tryouts, which took place in Colorado Springs. The head coach this year is Bill Self with the assistant coaches of Anthony Grant from Dayton and Danny Manning from Wake Forest. And the event actually started on Thursday night with about 33 players. And these players were uh, ranging from players entering their freshman year of college um, all the way down to juniors in high school. The thing they had in common, which is kind of funny, just given actually the three grade discrepancies, is that they're all born in the year 2000. So you have Uh a player such as Kobe, who's entering his freshman year at Carolina, and then you had a guy such as Hunter Dickinson, who's uh, in the class of 2020 and entering his junior year at DeMatha. So a little interesting on the, on the age range and the, and the grade range, I would say. But it started on Thursday night uh, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. They're holding basically two practices a day. The first cuts happened. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to get my day straight here. The first cuts happened Sunday morning. So going into Sunday, they cut it down to 18. And both the practices on Sunday uh, were a much smaller event and the coaches were a lot more focused. So that's just kind of a a high-level overview of the event. And then I guess just one other thing to add is that on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, college coaches were allowed to be in attendance. And for UNC, both Heber Davis and, and Brad Frederick were there. And on Sunday and Monday, NBA scouts were also allowed to be in in attendance. So on Sunday, it was kind, you know, kind of an interesting mix of NBA guys as well as a lot of college assistants there. So, huh. as far as Kobe, he uh, he made the final team, which I think for anybody that was anybody that seen him play and that anybody that saw him play this weekend was definitely no surprise. Uh, I, I was not there Friday, but all I heard was rave reviews of how well he shot the ball, and then I saw that in action on Saturday and Sunday, and he was. Extremely impressive, um, and that was confirmed with the interviews I did with the coaching staff. Uh, so I think I mentioned a few times on the message boards, but 
I'm not going to be surprised if he starts and if he leads the team in scoring in the FIBA Americas tournament, which is scheduled to take place uh, in a few days up in Canada. So when you were talking with both the college and the pro guys, was there kind of a, a difference of opinion or was it kind of just a universal, wow, this kid really has a lot of potential? So when talking to the the college coaches, it, it had to be strictly based on what was going on at at the tournament. I got to talk to to all three coaches. Uh, you know, Danny Manning had known Kobe for a lot longer, and you know, one of the things he said was he is able to kind of talk to Kobe in a different way. Of you know, if he was, I guess he was kind of able to get on Kobe maybe a little more than he could others um, in in a good way, but. You know, really talking to all of them, Danny Manning, I wanted to talk to more from a defensive end just because he was coaching the defense during the practices while Anthony Grant was doing the offense. And then finally, Bill Self from Kansas was overseeing it. And, you know, I think the quotes from Bill Self really told the story that he said Kobe was one of the best players at, at the tryouts. And at times he was the best player. And I think for this team in particular, I know there's been a lot of discussion of is Kobe a point guard? Can he play point guard at UNC? Uh, for this particular team, I, I think he will see some time at the point guard. But as Bill Self said, his his strongest suit is scoring, and he is the best spot-up shooter that they have on the team. So I think they're really going to utilize him in that role. So from the college coaches, you know, everybody was very impressed uh, with his shooting ability, scoring ability personality, character, and and even his, his defensive ability because he was really working hard on that end as well. And then for the NBA guys, only got to talk to a few. And obviously their experience with him was, was not nearly as deep as the college coaches, but they got to watch him at the McDonald's uh, practices and, and games really for the first time. And uh, the main scout I talked to was was had been very impressed with the McDonald's game and you know, saw him play very well Sunday morning. Uh, so he, I think the exact quote was Roy Williams is, is really going to enjoy coaching Kobe, but then he, he quickly switched over to talking about Nasir and, and how great Nasir Little played during the events that the scouts were allowed to watch as well. So, you know, kind of two, two different mindsets, but both of them had, had very high praise for Kobe and his, uh, his playing ability. So how much point guard did Kobe actually play? So in, in terms of, you know, the, the scrimmages and tryouts, you know, Cole Anthony is most likely going to be the starting point guard. And and there's a few other, I'd say, just smaller, you know, 6'2", 6'1", players that were playing the point. So Kobe definitely saw some time, whether it was pushing the ball up on the break uh, or getting the team into the offense. But a lot of the time he was paired with Cole Anthony and playing off the ball. And a lot of the time, you know, Sunday morning, for example, they didn't do one full court drill. Everything, they didn't even even go past the half court line. So everything stayed in the half court. There was one time where I think it was just exemplified how talented he is, but playing against some of the top athletes in the country and Kobe catches the ball on the right wing and you know, there's a few seconds left on the shot clock and the team really hasn't had a good possession and he just buries a deep three. Next possession, they give him the ball on the right wing and he just blows by his defender and hits a tough contested layup over one of the, you know, six eight, six nine bigs. And then third possession, he starts on the right wing. 
they run a play, so he kind of circles around the court, ends up on the left corner, catches, shoots, and and knocks it down. So three straight possessions and, and eight points, and I think that kind of exemplified how Kobe had been performing that week and, and how the coaches are going to use him uh, for this particular team. What about his, his vision? Because I think there were a couple people that raved about the types of passes that he was able to make on top of that shooting ability that, that you just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, the passing ability didn't come out as often, but uh, there are times where I saw, and a lot of times in the scrimmages, I'm, I'm thinking of two particular moments. He had some extremely nice passes that either led to a, an open shot or one of them was an open look you know, close to the basket and, and both times the players missed it, but you know, it was, it was the pass that got there that was impressive. And while he was playing on the wing for the majority, you could definitely see his passing ability and his ability to, you know, play under control and, and set the offense up and, and get it running. But, you know, in, in re- reality, his, his main threat is, is scoring and he can do that really anytime he wants. And I think that's where, you know, in the summer, we'll see him utilize at the wing. But I think the ability and the ball handling and passing that he showed, you know, should lend, you know, some confidence to to the fans next year of his ability to, to step into that role and kind of c- control the team from, you know, just that that overall standpoint. In a podcast a couple of months ago, you and I talked pretty extensively about the point guard position for next year. After having watched Kobe live now against, you know, what was, by all accounts, really good competition there at the USA camp, has your opinion on his ability to play point guard changed? Do you feel better about it? Do you still think that there's some room to to grow? Just kind of give your thoughts on that. Yeah, I definitely think there's obviously still room to grow, and there will be room to grow, especially as a freshman, uh, kind of being handed the keys to a Roy Williams offense, which doesn't happen a whole lot. I do feel more comfortable, uh, especially when we chatted about it in depth, uh, you know, just watching him up close and watching him handle the ball and really watching him be vocal and, and a leader. You know, that being said, I still, you know, his strong point is his scoring ability. He set the, you know, state record in scoring and, and that's what he does. Not to say that he can't do that at the point guard position, but, you know, when he catches the ball on the wing, there's not many players that can can stay with him um, off that quick first step or off the catch and shoot. So, uh, you know, I think when he is running the point guard, obviously the ball will get swung back to him or he'll catch the ball, you know, similar to Joel or any of the other scoring point guards that we've seen lately. But obviously would prefer him at the wing, but I think he can definitely uh, step in and and play the point and, and do it very well. All right, let's talk about another big-time Carolina target that was there at the USA Basketball. That was Armando Baycott. And is it Baycott, Bacot? How does he actually pronounce it, Sean? Uh, that's that's a good question. <laughs> um, we'll just call him Armando. I think it's Bacot, uh, but okay. I, could, I could definitely uh, be mispronouncing that a little bit. Gotcha. Armando works for me. He was another guy that I had my eye on personally, and I think that a lot of UNC fans did as well. It sounds like he also was one of the more standout players um, over the entire weekend. What did you think about him from what you saw of his performance? Uh, he played well, uh, made the team. I think he'll be the starting starting big. You know, it looked like he had trimmed down 
a little bit. Uh, definitely has a has a ways to go, but you know was was definitely the top big that was there in Colorado Springs. Now there wasn't a whole lot of big man competition there. Um, Armando was there. Hunter Dickinson, his AAU teammate, he plays at the Matha and is a a rising junior that Carolina has showed some interest in, and uh, a six ten guy from Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis, and then. Another guy that we're all familiar with, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who will probably be playing the, the power forward spot. So there wasn't a whole lot of talented bigs like in, in years past. But that being said, Amarndo, he, he ran the floor pretty well, which I was you know pleasantly surprised with, just given kind of the concerns on his weight. And, you know, when I talked to other players, I would kind of ask them, who, you know, who's a guy that has surprised you the most or who's a guy that you haven't seen if they weren't playing on the Nike under Armour circuit. So Jeremiah Robinson Earl, you know, when I asked him that question, Armando was the first guy that, that he brought up and he said, man, he's, he's so big and so strong. He's athletic as well. He can move. He's, I didn't really realize that he was going to be as strong or, or can move as well as he did. So, you know, he played well overall, didn't really do much outside of the paint, uh, shooting free throws. He, he showed a, a, a capable form, but, you know, really just rebounded the ball well. And sometimes in the scrimmages with a guard oriented team did not see a lot of touches but he definitely had a nice right hand hook when he did get the ball in the post and had a few seconds to to take a dribble or two and and get his own shot now what about as far as his recruitment goes does it sound as if carolina is still really prioritizing him and is in a good position with him yeah i mean they've really been been paying a lot of attention to him in, in 2018 and trying to make him, I'd say, the priority big man recruit. Uh, and I, I think he he understands that, and, and he's reciprocated with, you know, just going to the campus and getting familiar with the players and, and coaching staff. Uh, you know, I think the concerning thing is uh, it seems that he is a, a Duke fan, and I know he had Aww. a tweet. <laughs> a, I know he had a tweet last week where basically listing your favorite players, and I think uh, his favorite College player was Jaleel Okafor, and I don't know if it was high school or college, but he had Okafor, Giles, and Parker, I believe, listed. So all Duke guys. So there's that. And right now, Duke is recruiting him, but they have not made him a priority target. You know, they're going after Vernon Carey and and some of the other, I'd say, legit one and done prospects. Uh, right now, Nate James has been been the point man for that recruitment, and I can't really remember any kind of big Nate James recruits that have, have come lately. So I could see, you know, maybe in the fall, Duke really starting to ramp it up. So I think it's important that UNC continues to show that interest and really tries to, you know, I don't think it's going to be locking him down early because he's going to take his official visits. But I think it's uh, making sure he knows that he is their top priority right now and and going forward. All right. So aside from those two names, Sean, who were some other players that you came away impressed with from the sessions that you watched? Sure. I'll just kind of stick with UNC guys to begin, but Keon Brooks, I really liked. Uh, He actually did not make the final roster, uh, even though he's been one of the top performers in the spring. And it was a little surprising, but I, I can definitely understand it. You know, a lot of the times when these kids, no matter how talented they are, when they go to these USA events for the first time, it can be a rough adjustment. Cameron Reddish and Romeo Langford got cut early on. Going back to actually my first 
USA U17 event back in 2014. It had a talented team with uh, Jason Tatum and, and Giles before the second injury, but they cut Dennis Smith and Malik Monk. So, you know, a lot of the times it's not the most talented players, but I did think he played well. And he's a, you know, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, uh, wing, kind of potentially a stretch four nowadays, but really had a nice kind of compact form on his shot. And I thought besides Kobe was probably one of the, the maybe the third best shooter uh, at camp. And he, he actually missed the Thursday practice. So he kind of got in Friday. So, so had a late start, but picked it up and uh, definitely kind of a quiet kid by nature. So, you know, sometimes that personality doesn't do well initially in Colorado Springs when you really have a short time to, to showcase your skills and, and really kind of your, your vocalness. But um, he was one player I liked, even though he didn't make the, the team. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, is another rising junior from DeMatha that UNC has shown interest in. Didn't really get a lot out of, out of him from his recruitment. Uh, coaches can start talking to him uh, next week, so I believe June fifteenth. Um, yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll see kind of what you know what is it, you know who who's talking to him and and what the real interest is. But he was, uh, you know, he was he definitely didn't have the strength that a lot of the other players did. He was the tallest. He was the tallest guy, but. Got pushed around a little bit. He made it to the final 18, which I was a little surprised about. But he was uh, kind of a big that can pick and pop and had a nice little lefty jump shot from 15 feet. And then Matthew Hurt, who everybody is familiar with and is getting recruited by all the big-time schools. Uh, you know, I think he's 24-7, has him top five, I believe. And he was actually pretty quiet, uh, you know, showcases outside shooting ability, which he can – I think he was the second-best outside shooter behind – behind Kobe, really good in the drills and off off of uh, the pull-up. But he also really struggled with a lot of the athleticism and strength of the, of the other wings. So he was kind of rendered a little bit useless when he wasn't catching and shooting. Uh, so I think that you know is definitely an area of improvement going forward is just getting stronger. But got a chance to talk to his father, and they had nothing but glowing things to say about Coach Williams and the UNC staff and going down there on their official visit. And then... Just a few other quick names, you know, Jalen LaQuay, who UNC is not recruiting and did not make the final team. Uh, you know, he ta- he graded out as one of the most athletic players there. I think he had a 43-inch max vertical, which tied Cole Anthony, uh, 6'8 wingspan. So I think the NBA guys probably liked him more than the college guys. And then another guy who I hadn't, I didn't really know a lot about, but Mark Watts Jr., uh, he's a... Michigan guy, so John Beeline and Izzo were there to watch him, but he's a 6'2 little guard, and he just impressed me with uh, his toughness and, and shooting ability, and initially, I didn't think he was going to make it to the final 18, and he just kept on on playing well and, and being competitive and, and made the final roster. Before we go into our commercial break, you've talked about you know a lot of guys that either made the roster or didn't make the roster. Really, what kind of goes into that decision? Because it, it's interesting, and you, and you touched on it a little bit, but you know, it doesn't sound as if the USA basketball coaches just say, "All right, these are clearly like the most five highly rated guys. This is who we're going with." It sounds as if there's a lot more that goes into that decision. Yeah, so it, it's it's interesting, and I'll, I'll kind of go away from the U18s for a second and, and just go down to the 16 and 17s. And those are coached by uh, high school coaches. And I think for those, for the most part, there's a, you know, there is a removal of the politics, which comes into really any decision. And a lot of the time, 
you know, as I talked about earlier, Dennis Smith and Malik Monk were cut. So a lot of the times it is who's really stepping up and playing well in this actual tryout. So I think they have done a good job of, of reputation can only get you so far. And if you're busting your tail and playing hard and working hard and, and doing well, you're going to get you're going to get recognized. And I think on the younger stages, we've seen that. I remember Colin Sexton a few years ago uh, when he was trying out for the U17s. He just had a good spring, but still wasn't you know, the top 10 Colin Sexton that everybody associates with him now. And he came in and just played so hard and, and every day was making an impact with him, you know, being a leader and being vocal, which I think is definitely things that they look at. So for the 16s and 17s, it's definitely, okay, how can I construct the best best team? And that, that goes through for the 18s. Uh, you know, I think there is a little bit more politics involved when the coaches have to be cognizant of if they cut a player, they're recruiting, how that could uh, you know, come back on them. But at the same time, it also gives them the advantage to to coach these players up close. Mohamed Bamba got to play for Shaka Smart a few years ago, but then you have Sean Miller, uh, who coached the U18 and U19s a few years ago. And, you know, he had to cut Tyler Dorsey and, and TJ Leaf, and they ended up uh, going to other schools. So, you know, for the U18s, as I mentioned, they had Bill Self, Anthony Grant, Danny Manning as the main coaches. But also, for the first uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they had court coaches and then just other coaches that were really only sitting and evaluating. Um, and that consisted of Tony Bennett, uh, excuse me, Tony Bennett from UVA, Matt Painter from Purdue, uh, Sean Miller from Arizona, and then Shane Battier, and then Mike Bray and Dooley from now at uh, ECU. They were also the core coaches. So every day they would go into a meeting after practice and discuss. And, you know, for the most part, they're trying to build, build a team that kind of lacked any players with selfish abilities or a, kind of a selfish mindset and kind of surround it with point guard shooters, slashers, and then, and then one or two, one or two big. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a process that goes into it and it's by no means is it let's take the top guys. As I mentioned, Jalen LeQuay got, got cut. And he's a guy that a lot of the top schools are are really recruiting. So you definitely have to play up to your abilities in that short time span that they're watching you. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take our commercial break then, Sean. When we come back, we will be answering the questions that we received from the Inside Carolina subscribers on the message board. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after this. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here and Sean Moran talking Carolina basketball today. All right, Sean, so 
we've kind of gone through a an overview of the USA basketball camp that, that you watched. Again, I think for everyone listening, if you want to get the full story behind that, check out the articles that were posted on the Premium Basketball Message Board. Uh, but going into this podcast, you know, Sean, I figured this was going to be a really hot topic, and sure enough, it was. So we reached out to the subscribers on the message board to see what questions they had for us, and uh, we got a pretty good response. So if it's okay with you, how about we answer some of their questions? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I haven't seen the questions, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they were. All right. So the first one, and the way I'll do it is I will give the username as well. So for the listeners, some of these are going to be probably a little bit on the odd side, but, um, you know, it's funny. It's the internet after all. So, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But the first question that, that we got was from on my Skrilla who asked, does Kobe have a pro comparison? So I actually have a little bit of a comment on this, but I'll let you go ahead and give your response first, Sean. Um, that's a, a tough one. I want to hear your your response while I while I think of this. <laughs> All right, my response is J.R. Smith, but with a better basketball IQ. <laughs> so uh, that that is interesting. So let's see if I might might try to avoid the comparison. But for his measurements, so he graded out at, at six four and a half, and you know some, I don't know how right a lot of these measurements are because they can vary from time after time. But he did have a, a six three wingspan, which you know, by by NBA standards, whenever he does go through the uh, draft process, will get will get picked apart left and right. So you you know you you have a six four six five combo guard that can that can really shoot the ball. Um, I mean, you know, from Carolina guys, you think of the shooting guards that have come through, and Wayne Ellington, who's who's more of just a, a shooter, didn't really have that. I'd say Kobe's a little a better slasher, so. I don't know. I'm going to think on that one because it's it's a good question. And I I don't really have kind of an app comparison right off the bat. I know, you know, on other podcasts, we've done the the Joe Forte question, which I don't really think for me is is accurate. But I'll think on this while we go through the other questions and see if I can uh, come up with anybody. All right. You're allowed to take a a brief (laughs) mulligan on on this one. That's okay. (laughs) All right. So the next question was from rmabe331. And he asked, well, I guess he or she asked, what are the reasonable expectations of Kobe White and Nas Little next year? And regarding future UNC recruiting, how big would it be for UNC if both players start and get pretty good playing time? Uh, The question actually called for 30 plus minutes. I wouldn't expect 30 minutes from either of these guys, but, you know, I, I still think that at the question about them starting is pretty valid here. Yeah, I think I think they'll both start. I mean, Nasir Little has played his up his way up to anywhere from number two to a top five player, and I think what he showed in the All Star games is he's going to be one of those freshmen that comes in and you know whether it's uh, Harrison Barnes or or kind of Justin Jackson, just one of those wings that Roy trusts in the beginning, and I think he has that kind of dog mentality that I'd say a lot of maybe some UNC players haven't had in the past. So he's, he's ready to go at anybody that will challenge him. And I think, you know, also Kobe White, as we talked about uh, the, you know, the point guard spot is, is wide open and I definitely see them both starting and I'm not one to kind of put high expectations um, 
on freshmen or on players, but I'd say I'm very optimistically cautious of how they're both going to do. Uh, you know, I know, I think Rob Harrington compared Nasir to a potential sophomore year Stackhouse, which I remember took me by surprise because Rob is is not one to put outlandish comments. So that just kind of shows how good Nasir can be. But no, I think they're both going to have strong years. And, and I think given the team, uh, obviously, you know, Luke May coming back, you know, high, high score and, and some other returning players. But I think they're both going to be double-digit scorers. And um, I, I definitely think they'll be on the, or at least have the high potential to be on the first team all ACC. And, or sorry, first team all rookie and definitely kind of the ACC rookie of the year. In terms of recruiting, I, I definitely think seeing two, two UNC freshmen starting, I know that's been, you know, really kind of a, a thing that has been talked about of, oh, you, you know, it doesn't matter how high you rank, you go to UNC, you're not going to start. Uh, so I, I think that will will definitely dispel and, and could show a lot of future recruits um, that that kind of myth or aura is not, not true or not true anymore. All right, let's move on to Med Matt Heal. And this was another two-part question. They asked, a lot of people have asked why Nasir Little was not part of the USA Basketball Training Camp. Do you have any insight on that? And then the second part, you mentioned several of the players having quiet showings in the scrimmages. Do you think that may be due to the grind of the drills and practices combined with playing at that high elevation? So the first question, sorry, I'm, I'm blanking. What was the, the first so question? The first again? question was, why was Nasir Little not oh, yeah. at the USA Basketball Training Camp? So are, are we talking, well, I guess for this one, well, I guess I'll go back to the Hoop Summit because that, that is probably more apt. So Nasir Little participated in October in the developmental camp where they evaluate players for the Hoop Summit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not everybody sees everybody for every single second they're playing. There's two courts going on. Uh, really for most of the time. But I think I was one of the few ones that I, I came away impressed with how Nasir played uh, during that weekend in October. But I think a lot of other scouts and other people were a little down on him for whatever reason. And I think that played a large part in him not making not making the hoop summit, which is kind of coordinated with the USA basketball. Even though talent-wise, I think, uh, and a lot of people talked about it afterwards, is that the Hoop Summit could have used somebody like him, somebody with that mentality that is aggressive and kind of in your face. Because as we saw, the USA team lost this year and to both NBA scouts and people in attendance, it was, it was pretty disappointing for them to to watch the USA team and, and how, I guess, into it that they were. You know, in terms of, of this, uh, you know, I'm not sure of his exact birth date, but, you know, there was only, I think, six or six or seven out of the 33 that were, uh, going into their freshman year, you know, three of them made the team, or let's see, four of them actually made the team. And and Kobe, uh, Quentin Grimes, who's going to Kansas, that I think will start. Io Dosanmu, who I, I mispronounced, but he's a Chicago kid going to Illinois. I actually was surprised he made the team, and he made it on his defense abilities. And then another player I didn't think was going to make it was uh, Kameka, Kamaka Hepa who's uh, from Alaska. And while I, and for him, the, the reason I say I didn't think he was going to make it, on Sunday morning, you know, the coaches had a lot less tolerance for everybody that was playing. And while, while Bill Self was getting mad in general at the players, Kameka was the one player he singled out for, for shooting the ball. And I think he said something to the extent of, 
you know, stop shooting the damn ball. Everybody's not here to watch you shoot. There's four other teammates. Um, so I thought that might've been the nail in the coffin, but uh, you know, he, he took that advice and took that criticism and, and turned around and played well. So not sure why specifically Nasir wasn't there, but you know, there was only about seven or so uh, rising juniors that, that were there. Okay. Gotcha. Let's move on to the next one. Actually the, the second part of oh, that yeah, yeah. question which asked, uh, I guess just in, in a nutshell, why did certain players struggle that may have been playing at a higher level, you know, at, at camps earlier on in the year? Yeah, I think we kind of touched on on that earlier. And I'm, I'm looking up Nasir's birthday and it's, and it's in this 18 range. So, you know, potentially he might have been frustrated, you know, not getting the Hoop Summit invite. So I'm sure there's a lot of potential possibilities. But in terms of, you know, players not playing well, I, I think there's a lot of factors. And, you know, the first one, everybody I talked to, and this has been going on for four plus years, but there is a, an adjustment to the elevation. And, you know, that first practice, I, I think it was, uh, you know, Kobe that said, and, and pretty much everybody I talked to, you know, you, you run up and down the court twice and, you know, all of a sudden you can't, you can't, you can barely breathe and it, it takes a lot out of you. And then, you know, you slowly get adjusted to it, but you don't fully get adjusted, especially if you're only there for a few days. So the elevation, you know, definitely comes into consideration Two, you know, you're playing no longer is it, you know, it's kind of the gloves are off. Um, so it, it doesn't matter what shoe company you're on or that you're the man on your AAU team. It really matters on, on how well you're doing. And, you know, sometimes that can be difficult for people to, you know, go from being the man to trying to fit into a, you know, a particular role. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then, you know, other times, you know, I think it kind of takes a, a certain personality to succeed, especially if it's your first time of, of kind of being vocal and, and kind of being the first in line to do things and, and taking the initiative and also kind of just having, you know, being physically tough. Cause a lot of times if, if you're, you know, weak or, or underweight, uh, that, that really shows up in, in this environment where, you know, everybody's banging against each other in a half court, full court setting, uh, one game at a time. And, and there's not really room to hide or, or room to not play hard. So a lot of different factors. And I think it's difficult to play at a high level at every single, every single practice. So it's not surprising if, you know, Kobe White, for example, on, on Sunday evening, he didn't take a shot in the, the 10 minute scrimmage, but you know, that's not to say he, he didn't do well. That was just, uh, you know, one stanza where he wasn't really getting the ball and wasn't as aggressive as he had been. But, you know, I think that's why you, you try to look at the whole practice or the, the whole uh, training camp instead of just one. So the next question I thought was actually pretty interesting. This is from 95 Toyota. And they asked, did Kobe and Anthony have good chemistry? And does UNC have a legit chance with Anthony? And I think the second part of that question is still TBD because it doesn't sound as if, you know, much came out really from the weekend as far as his recruitment goes. But if you have anything, Sean, feel free to to share it. Otherwise, I'd imagine you probably have some thoughts on how he and Cody got, got along. Yeah, I mean, in terms of chemistry, you know, they weren't best buds and, and hanging out every single second off the court. But I think on the court, I think they did have good chemistry. And it seemed to me that, really those were kind of two of the the most vocal kind of more of the the leaders of the group and i i think they did enjoy playing playing with each other and and each one brings a different skill set while Cole was handling the ball uh you know he can get to the rim pretty much anytime he wants but he was able to kick out to uh to to Kobe for open shots and 
you know, there's a lot of times where they're doing the drills and they're playing on the same team. And, you know, they were the first players to kind of congratulate each other if they got a score on the offense or if they held the defense without a basket. There was one time they actually went uh, 10 possessions in a row holding the defense without a basket in one of the drills. So I think there was definitely uh, chemistry and it'll be interesting to watch the games uh, just to kind of see how they do in, in an actual game setting uh, going forward. As far as Cole's recruitment, you know, he's been been very tight-lipped and, and refuses to, to talk recruiting. And we did a story where I interviewed his father, Greg Anthony, a few weeks ago. And what he had said at that time was basically, hey, we're just trying to focus on on USA and then Peach Jam and and see where things fall before diving into the, into the recruiting. And he was there Saturday and unfortunately didn't get a chance to talk to him. But so there's not really anything to report in terms of is there a chance? I, I think there is a chance. And, you know, I'm sure Kobe's going to be in his ear at FIBA's U18, but I'd still say it's it's a long shot and he'll probably go to a school that's a little more known for their their one and done players. But that's just a, a hunch and nothing really behind that. Let's go ahead and move on then to the next one. This is from Grouchy Mustache. Uh, and this is a question for both of us. So they asked, do you guys think that there will be more scholarships offered during the next live evaluation period? And if so, who do you think we will target? We being the Tar Heels, obviously. I'll let you handle this one first, Sean. Um, well, you know, one, one guy that I, I thought they might offer um, uh, just committed to Michigan. Uh, he didn't get an initial offer after the spring period. And I know they offered, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and a few other players right after, but in terms of more offers afterwards, it's kind of difficult to say. I, I could definitely see if, you know, that they're hearing about somebody playing well, you know, over June and into July that, a, that an offer could come up quickly, not as quickly as, as Keon Brooks did, but yeah. uh, you know, definitely, I definitely think there will be offers. I'm, I'm just not sure who will be because I feel they were very particular in who they offered after the spring period. And I do think, July is also going to be set or spent setting up for the rising junior class and potential players to offer uh, come the fall. So I think it'll be kind of a mixture of of monitoring the players I do have offers, uh, seeing if anybody you know really jumps out of no- or comes out of nowhere, and then also monitoring for kind of the rising sophomores and juniors. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. Is that I feel that this summer is going to be a lot more focused on those juniors and sophomores. Personally, I think even the the sophomore class, really, I think we're going to see a ton of 2021 guys get that attention, um, especially if you know the NBA draft rules change and the class of 2020 can go straight pro. Uh, we just don't really know how that's going to turn out. So uh, I, I don't really see too many guys getting offers per se this summer. That could obviously change. But at this point, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a lot of the younger guys. So let's go ahead and go to our final two questions. And I'm just going to ask these together because they, they kind of ask the same thing. They just worded differently. So one of them was from Lights Out DNB. And they asked, has the commitment of Nas changed any of the perceptions of UNC on the recruiting trail? And then the other one was from A.H. Hines. And that question was, with Kobe making USA Basketball and Azir being a top two or three player, how do you think future recruits would take it if one or both do not start right away? So we touched on this a little bit earlier, Sean, when we talked about you know the, the potential of both of them starting. And 
I did think, though, that the question about the perception of UNC changing was an interesting one. Have you gotten the, you know, any sort of a vibe or feeling that that wave may be finally breaking for Roy Williams now? I mean, I don't know if the perception is changing. Uh, I, I mean, I think the perception is definitely helped by how strong Nasir played in the springtime. And, you know, now this is going to be the first time in a while that UNC will be entering a season and they'll be talking about Nasir as one of those one and done freshmen. So, mm-hmm. you know, usually it's, it's you know, your Trey Young or anybody on Duke or Kentucky that are getting all the, the one and done talk. And now, you know, a Carolina guy is going to be featured. So now, you know, in, in addition to just the games that Carolina's on TV, they're getting the additional media exposure uh, from the one and done talk. So I don't think anything has changed quite yet, but I think it has a potential to change pretty quickly, uh, depending on how Nasir plays, because I think everybody is aware of him and he has been getting a lot of hype leading into the season. You know, so is Harrison Barnes going into his season, uh, his freshman season. And, you know, the first few months were kind of a disaster until Kendall got into the starting lineup. And, you know, even though I still think that freshman ACC season of Harrison Barnes was one of the better seasons I've seen, it was kind of a little too late in terms of just the media momentum and, and anything like that to, to really capitalize. I think the story had been written. So if Nasir gets off to a strong start, uh, I definitely think the exposure that'll be brought to UNC and this UNC and the Sierra will be will be helpful um, in the long run from recruiting. Well, in terms of USA basketball, I think I read on one of the stories that uh, Kobe White was the first player to get this far in the process for the U18s in quite a while, wasn't it? Like it w- it was over five years, honestly, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was over five years, and and that was something I was talking to Sherelle and Ben about, but. Pretty sure it was Deion Thompson back in 07 that played on the U19 team that UNC has had a player. I know McAdoo played on the 16-17s, but we're really looking at committed players that are entering their freshman year or in school. And, you know, a, a big reason for that is a lot of players have decided, you know, they've decided they'd rather stay at UNC and, and do summer school and, and play pickup games. So I think some of them have turned down invites, but there really haven't been a lot of players that, have been even in the in the training camp, sort of speak, over the last uh, you know really nine, ten plus years. So, you know, I, I think it it does help that Kobe was was uh, invited to the training camp and he made the team, and I think he's going to do really well. So, just to you know, kind of have that UNC in the news, uh, you know, because from starting June tenth when the games begin, people are going to be talking about the U18s. And I think they're going to be, you know, Kobe White's going to be one of the main people they're talking about. So, you know, the USA or sorry, UNC guys have not really done any of the, the USA events in a long time, but I, I think it can only help. And, you know, that was a question I asked to, to Kobe was, you know, what, what was the, the coach's thoughts? And he's like, oh, they're all for it. It's a, it's a great opportunity. And, and I get back and I still have a few days after I get back before summer school starts. So, it's just another opportunity for me to get to play, and I don't miss any any summer school or any time with the team. Nice. All right. Well, Sean, I, we've talked for a while now, and we've covered a bunch of different topics. I think I am about good on this one. Do you have any final parting thoughts or anything else that, that you feel that, that we didn't hit? Uh, one quick thing. So one of the quotes, uh, going back to the interview with Bill Self, uh, one of the one of the pieces that he said was Kobe was kind of beyond his years and pace, and and what he meant was. He knows, you know, how to play fast, but how to play under control. And I think that is 
going to be the most telling and probably the thing that uh, UNC fans should should kind of take to heart, uh, especially under a Roy Williams offense. Most top teams don't play as fast as he does, and we've seen, you know, that really the freshman or not sorry the the point guard position is one that you just can't it doesn't just happen overnight uh so i think that quote about knowing you know knowing how to play with pace and and knowing the tempo you're playing at will really be helpful in in how quickly kobe can pick up the point guard position at unc yeah i mean just personally and i think this would go for every carolina fan out there if you were not excited about kobe white and nas little being at unc I think there's ample cause to be excited now. And, you know, that's not even getting into Leaky Black because he had another really good article on the uh, on the message boards that talked about his unique skill set as well. I mean, this really could be a special class for, for Roy Williams. Yeah, no, it, it, it'll be exciting, you know, especially with with guys like Nasir and, and Kobe that not only are they, are they talented, but everybody raves about their their character and and just kind of, you know, personal attributes. So, you know, it'll definitely be fun and interesting to see how they adapt. The other quick thing is that the tournament begins. So it's the U18s and it's only the Americas. So, you know, I think in years past, the games have, I mean, the games are going to be blowouts. Uh, I think Canada will probably be the only competitive game if they even are playing Canada. Uh, Yeah, they, they could match up with Canada in the playoffs, but... I mean, the games are going to be blowouts. They're going to be anywhere. There could be 50-point games, 30-point games. So they're not going to be the most competitive, but they, they start up on, on June 10th, uh, Sunday. And the kind of pool play goes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You can stream the games on YouTube. So anybody is free to, free to watch those games. Uh, they play Dominican Republic, Panama, and Puerto Rico. So should be three blowouts before they kind of get into the single elimination. But uh, just kind of another basketball outlet in the summer before really top 100 kicks off and then we're back in the july recruiting period again all right good deal close us out sean by by telling us what you got coming up on your website seanmohoops.com sure so i I didn't have anything this past week uh in terms of a podcast but uh, i had marcus howard from marquette two weeks ago and i had dino gaudio from louisville on last week and he had a few kind of carolina tangents on there he told the story about when he was recruiting Chris Paul and UNC's interaction with with Chris, which uh, you know I thought was a, a good story, and and also mentioned that he he told Roy that hey you need to you know I need to beat you guys every year because every time I beat you you guys win a championship. Uh, you know when he was talking about 2005 and 2009 and uh, <laughs> two talented weight teams, but he was a really uh, really interesting guest and one of the I'd say that one of the better conversations I've had. So uh, hopefully we'll have more like that going forward. All right. Well, for everyone, check those out. And then, as always, you can get the full scoop on Carolina basketball at the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Message Board. Until next time, Sean, thanks a lot for joining me, man. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.